0: Hey, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's episode, a question. Would you like to become a wicked effective health coach to help people change their behaviors, change their habits, change their health destinies, and to be able to do it through a reliable process, one that works every time? If so, I'd invite you to check out the well Start Health Coach Training Academy, and you can find it at wellstartcoach.com. And you can check and see when we're running our next training course. All right, let's get to today's topic.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Davis. I'm here with Kelly Walker, who uh, made it really hard for me not to call this the Anxiety Coaches Podcast (laughs) uh, to introduce there. Because Kelly is, uh, well, we've been friends for several years now. We hosted a, a show called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast together.
2: Um, how long ago?
1: Oh geez. Six, seven, <laughs> something years ago that we said we had. So, so that's been a while. Um, and, and we coached together. Um, so this is, this is kind of an interesting conversation to me, uh, that, to have as one of the early episodes of this show specifically about health coaching, because this is with like really kind of, you know, one of the people that I really, uh, you know, developed into this, into this job with, you know, I mean, Ke- Kelly and I ran a, we had a, a podcast and we had a coaching business, uh, where we were helping people in you know, one-on-one settings and in group settings and, uh, eventually way too many people in a group setting on our uh, <laughs> Facebook group, you know, to be able to manage. But, um, so, so it's been kind of interesting. We've been through, a, a, a lot of the figuring out how to do this stuff.
2: Yeah. We really grew together. together so into our coaching yeah. roles, <laughs> really grew, we grew together. As together. Yeah, we did grow up as coaches.
1: Um, so, but so Kelly, now you're, you have, uh, since then you've got a podcast that you're doing again, you are back in school. Yeah. Um, you're coaching. You have, you had a baby and a twin of that baby
2: (laughs) times two (laughs) 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 times two lucky for me I didn't have any previous babies so I don't know any any different so you know yeah
1: I I don't know it makes you really sound like a superhuman to me or something I mean you know combining um, graduate school working coaching hosting a podcast and um, changing two pairs of diapers at the same time.
2: (laughs) Oh, I can't wait till they're potty trained. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's going to be an epic milestone. But honestly, my, how I do it is pretty anticlimactic. I have learned since having kids, um, because as many people who have kids know, there's a lot to juggle and a lot of moving pieces and time becomes suddenly very scarce. Um, I ask for help all the time. Whoever will give it to me, I just I ask for the help, whether it's some child care, whether it's tagging my husband in or having grandma come over or friends, you know, friends, especially without kids, it's pretty exciting for them to come over and babysit. And I unashamedly use that, you know, and um, I just ask for help and delegate. That's I mean, that's how I do it. It's nothing special.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, sometimes even just the skill of being able to ask for help is is hard for people.
2: Oh, it, as it was for me and it, it started when I was pregnant, I had a really complicated pregnancy and was on bed rest for a long time. And thus started my journey of, uh, learning to have to ask for help, you know, like it was uncomfortable at first and it was definitely a skill that I had to cultivate and still sometimes feel a little bit vulnerable, like, Ugh, just wish I could do it all on my own. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I could do <see> that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have you been able to translate that skill then into your coaching and into into your um, your work?
2: Um, like working with clients and sort of helping them find the same. Do you mean like helping them find the same sort of time and space and things like that?
1: Yeah, because I mean that's that's you know that's something that can be really tough for for people to do, and yeah. um, I'm sure that's something that comes up, you know, especially I mean, you're working, you know in the coaching role, um, a lot with anxiety. Yeah, I'm sure that's,
2: it is. And, And I think what comes up a lot in almost every single session is values. So like helping people move toward their values. And I think there's a lot of, um, uh, there's when you can kind of define your values and you really know what's important to you. Suddenly the path gets a bit clearer as to how, okay, I know what I want. I know what I need. Okay. Here are some ways to attain that. So, that's, I mean, I think that's a pretty big part of every coaching session, especially for people that are struggling with anxiety or panic attacks, because it's easy to get blindsided or, well, short-sighted by fear and insecurity and doubt. That's like a big part of everyday anxious life. So looking towards, okay, what's important to me? What, what do I really want here? What are my barriers? What do I need to sort of move toward this value? I mean, it goes, it goes a long way in, in kind of moving towards where we want to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, so you know, I kind of realized we jumped in a little bit and gave a background of where uh, where you and I came together as coaches and and some of that. Um, but I suppose a lot of people listening may not already know your background, because as you talk about some of the you know the daily life with anxiety and and understanding that and and how to coach people with it. Um, one of the things that I think you know personally knowing your background that has brought so much talent and and ability into coaching people in that regard is being able to kind of model the behaviors and, and actually model what you're showing them and what you're helping them uh, to understand because of your own, you know, personal experience with that. So would you maybe want to give a little, just a, a background on kind of what that was like for you and you know, what led into you becoming a coach? As well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I know you're so familiar with my story. I forget that um, so many other people are, are not, but
1: may not be, <laughs>
2: may not be, may not be. Um, yeah. So how many years ago now, almost 10 years ago now, I started, um, as you know, Kevin started struggling really heavily with like not only anxiety, but panic attacks and, and agoraphobia, meaning I had a really hard time leaving my house or being in certain situations like um, being at work, being in an airplane, being anywhere that it was like difficult to escape or was uncomfortable. Um, and it was it was incredibly limiting. I mean, for a time, I didn't leave my house. I didn't leave my bedroom. And um, for anybody that's had a panic attack, you know, I was having six, seven, eight, ten 10 of those a day just back to back where. I think the best way to describe it is you feel like you're dying when you're having a panic attack. <laughs> a lot of, yeah. As far as I can say, a lot of ER visits are um, sort of misinterpreted panic attacks. People do think, Oh my God, am I having a heart attack or what's going on? And actually it's like their first full blown panic attack, which can be pretty terrifying. Um, and I know it was for me and it, and it set me into this sort of anxious cycle, this anxious loop where it just kind of kept building on itself, like exponentially. Um, And I had a really hard time finding resources and support that was in a line with my values of health. Like, you know, the traditional medicine is really wonderful and offers us a lot of things. I'm part of the traditional medicine world. And, um, but especially when it comes to sort of integrative health, emotional health, we uh, were a little bit lacking. So um, for me, I eventually became a coach because I wanted to fill that gap. I learned a lot. A lot, like personally, I'm on my own journey and learning how to sort of exit that anxiety cycle and support myself and figure out what the heck was just going on. And so um, eventually I realized, oh, there's health and wellness coaching and they're doing what I value and what I care about. And so became a health and wellness coach and um, have just focused on stress and anxiety and panic attacks as, as my little niche.
0: So
1: Something that kind of strikes me as interesting about um, the, the type of coaching and the type of folks that you're going to work with a lot and that, you know, that we've worked with together a lot. Um, there's definitely a sort of a, an initial phase of a lot of teaching, a lot of instruction on the surface, it seems like, right? Because, you know, people come in, just like you said, people come in to the ER for, you know, whatever percentage of visit, visits it is that are people coming in thinking they're having a heart attack or whatever, just like you and I both have you know, been ready. Mm-hmm. And, and it's More gigantic. than once,
2: I'll say. <laughs> More than once.
1: <laughs> See, I was the one who so. had that and felt like I needed to go to the ER, but was too afraid to go. Oh. <laughs> and so I kept thinking for months that I was having heart problems or something. But you know so so people don't understand it they don't they don't know coming into a coaching session oftentimes with you. They may not really know um, the science behind what's going on or they may not have a great understanding and so there is some value to teaching that but then also so what I'm driving at is is then for you, you learned coaching uh, methods
0: yeah. right
1: and um, you're certified through uh, well coaches yep. Yeah. Right um, and, and have several years of experience now. And so you're integrating those methods while still trying to teach without just telling someone what to do. So how do you balance that?
2: Exactly. So, um, my kind of just rule of thumb for me, because it's easy as a healthcare provider, it's easy to sort of, uh, slip into this educator role. And like you said, there, Mm -hmm. there is a time and a place for education and teaching. But for me, my rule of thumb is like, I don't really want that to be more than a quarter of the time because this isn't about, it's really about helping people sort of see for themselves where they're stuck, what's working, what's not working in their lives. Anxiety is very much a symptom. It looks like the problem at first. And we all want to sort of spend a lot of time looking at the problem, picking apart the problem, analyzing, reading, um, because it does look like the problem. It feels so awful. You know, anxiety feels awful it's why so many people cope with alcohol food you know whatever because it's an uncomfortable place to be and so for me um it's a gentle reminder like okay there's a little bit of time here for education when it makes sense, like it's a, it's a flexibility, I guess, is kind of knowing when is it time for a little bit of education and teaching, but always sort of moving back towards that place where I'm engaging the client and um, asking, you know, evocative, open-ended questions to help them see because any sort of habit change, any sort of sustainable habit change needs to be like self-generated. It's not going to come from me talking at them.
1: Yeah, yeah. When yeah. no, it's kind of interesting you know as we're talking to obviously coaches that that work with all sorts of different uh yeah. know, health concerns of people it's not not just anxiety um but f- for you having the you know the background of anxiety being you know being a nurse being an actual healthcare provider like you have a there is a time and place where educating is certainly valuable and part of your job and
2: yeah and something And part of the offer. change and part of the change process for them, you know, the education yeah. sometimes plays a piece in the change process, but just a piece, you know, I
1: think. Yeah. Well, I like the thing, you know, you mentioned, um, coming to show people kind of like where they're stuck and that sort of thing. Um, we talk about it a lot, a lot of times in terms of like helping people to find their blind spots, Yeah. you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. Cause you, cause you're there to help them see not to like shove them off in this direction. Exactly. You know? yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: Was there, was that something that came pretty natural to you or that, that you started doing right away or?
2: No, like that? not right away, not right away. I really, um, before I had more coach training, like I definitely, my, my personal weakness as a coach was, uh, leaning heavily onto like teaching and, and education. And when I started, um, coach training and sort of looking at myself and why, um, I stick to new habits or what works for me, like it's never when someone tells me this is what you have to do to be okay or talks at me like I just, yeah, yeah, okay, uh-huh, sure, yeah, 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 you know, like that that doesn't engage me or help me make a change, so it was definitely um a skill that developed over time, and I still remind myself often because that's my personal weakness as a coach. It's easy to fall back into. I get so excited about I'm a nerd, I get excited about information <laughs> and um, and teaching and things like that. But so, yeah, I just it's, I constantly remind myself, like, OK, let's move on to like the generative movement moments here and ask these evocative questions and things like that.
1: Yeah. So so um, you mentioned that it was kind of, you know, learning about coaching and, and going through the training, but also yeah. apl- sort of applying that to yourself, it sounds like was a big part of understanding the value of, of not just preaching to someone or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of telling them what to do. Um, so is that something that you spend a lot of time still on then is working on yourself? And,
2: um, yeah, I would say like, I would say it's much more natural now, like, um, kind of self coaching. Like I, I recognize when things are and aren't working for me a lot sooner, my body's really good at telling me, I'm like, Whoa, hold on. And it helps me just check into like, okay, what's my value here? What do I care about? What might be helpful? Like I'm much kinder to myself regarding change. And before it used to be sort of like a big shaming rigid ritual change for me. Like that's how it used to be. And now I'm able to self coach. And, um, like sugar was always really sticky for me. That was like anything sugary, delicious chocolate Mm -hmm. cake and, and whatever. Like I would, um, Sometimes, like, anybody get caught in that habit of, like, when I was overwhelmed or sad, like, going through grief, like, I'd reach for just not one, not two, but, like, half the cake, not one or two slices. And so I'd get frustrated with myself, like, oh, I did it again. What the heck? And um, I think when I started applying some of those, like, you know, coaching principles, I was able to make lasting change. I was able to see and, you know, see, gosh, I really feel awful at night when I eat that much, you know, sugar or sweets and I feel bad the next day and it impacts my mood this way where suddenly the change starts to feel more effortless. Like that just isn't serving me and it doesn't feel good. And it's not in line with what I care about and how I want to live my daily life. So yeah, it's definitely a part, I mean, there's small things like that all the time, how I interact with my kids, you know, if something's not working, self-coaching allows me to sort of like check in, redirect and move toward, um, you know a new habit or new behavior without all the shame and all that other stuff that makes change so hard.
1: I think like that helps you to understand the people you're working with as well, right? I mean,
2: oh yeah, if
1: you're applying yeah. it yourself,
2: yep, exactly. Yeah. I think it's just like an opportunity to practice so that I can bring it to the coaching sessions
1: well you know, and when you say bring it to the coaching sessions, you know there's times where it's even nice I think to to literally bring that example in,
2: yeah,
1: and yeah. I mean, is this something that you do often is to share, okay, hey, here's where I've been and what my experience has been?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's similar to like how you asked about like the education and teaching piece, like mm-hmm. um, like where it feels, you know, with coaching, it's sort of like this, it's a little bit of a dance. And so you kind of get a feel for when that might be helpful or when that makes sense. And if it does, I definitely share it too, because I know people often get a lot of value in knowing, Hey, I'm not alone in this, you know, like, yeah, you, I, you know, I hear the word health coach and I'm like, Oh, they have it all together. They don't struggle. They don't have, you know, it's nice to see like, no, nah, everyone's just human. Like We all, we all struggle.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I love that because it's just a, that is commonly what you're going to have people come and approach you with. You know, I had somebody just the other day that approached me with the idea of, of doing some coaching and it, and it just really felt like, hey, you know, you've got all this figured out. Give me the answers. You know, give me what to do.
2: Yeah. Yep. That's um. I think one of the most common questions I get since I particularly work with like people that are struggling with anxiety and panic attacks. They'll be like, oh, you've mastered anxiety. You must never feel anxious. I'm like, wow. You know, anxious is like it's a basic human emotion. I do feel yeah. anxious. It's just I know how to you know, I know how to work through it when it comes up with more ease and awareness. And I know what works for me. And it's a lot easier to move through it without getting, you know, pulled into that anxiety cycle where it starts, you know, where anxiety starts to feel problematic. So I think it's easy to assume, you know, put people on a pedestal and it's like, "Eh, we're all in this together.
1: Yeah, I almost feel like there's a a specific value to it, like intentionally stepping down off of that pedestal too mm-hmm. and showing like, hey, I'm, I'm just like you, you know, yeah. I've, I've been there, I have my issues and, and I still work through things. Um, exactly. and, and, and I think in a way it kind of helps us not to be that, you know, strictly educator. We yeah, can say like, sure. I, I don't know it all.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like stepping down from that sort of assumed expert role. And it's like, it's, um. More of like you know it's a mutual it's a mutual role like and yeah. coaches and clients it's you know it's it's much more it's different than like a doctor and a well it'd be nice if a doctor and a patient are a <laughs> their, and you know everybody was sort of a little bit more mutual I don't know how helpful the expert role always is there's a time and place but um, but yeah I think coaching works much better like you said when we step down off that pedestal and we're like hey we're in this together you know.
1: Yeah, I almost wonder if, you know, you mentioned like a like a doctor and patient situation, if that's maybe a way for that person to step down off the pedestal, even if even if in your role you're meant to be educating them because you're their doctor, maybe right. if you step down into this coaching role for five minutes during the 15 minutes that you have in the room with them yeah. in a dream world, right? <laughs> but, yeah. Well, um, <laughs> and, and speak in that way, but because, I mean, we've had we've had doctors. We've had, you know, all sorts of of folks go through like the coach, the coaching certification that I run. Um, and, and that's been really interesting just to kind of see that people are applying coaching skills to, you know, their, their professions in healthcare. healthcare
2: setting. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm getting my certification, um, as a nurse practitioner right now. And that's my hope because honestly, my, Um, favorite providers have been providers that incorporate much more of like an integrative coaching role. You know, those are the providers I feel um, safe discussing my health concerns with. It's the providers I feel supported by. And, you know, if you have a health ailment, it's a naturally vulnerable place to be. So it's nice to feel like you can connect. Like if someone's in an expert role, you can't connect with them. You know, there's, it's a very, or at least it's much more difficult to, connect because they're up here and you know, you're down here. So I know for me, um, the providers I value the most have, whether they know it or not brought in some of these principles of coaching where they just kind of level with you. And, um, I know I appreciate it and it doesn't make yeah, them seem any less is... knowledgeable to me, you know, it doesn't make them seem right. any less professional or knowledgeable. I think it's, you know, it's a balancing act. You can still be incredibly proficient in your profession right. and
1: I don't know what happened there, but we had uh, apparently some technical difficulties. <laughs> it must have just been a connection issue somewhere along the line. Um, but we're back with Kelly Walker again. And I think it cut you off in the middle of saying um, you were talking about how, uh, you know, coming down is sort of off of that pedestal or whatever, you know, coming down and speaking to um, a client or patient at their level and and, and with your experiences that are similar doesn't necessarily take away from the opinion of, of, of that person having the, the knowledge or the expertise.
2: Right. No, exactly. It doesn't make them seem any less, you know, sufficient in, in my eyes. If anything, it enhances trust for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially when you're, you know, you're trying to establish that sort of teamwork, like you said, you know, working together on whatever the, you know, whatever the issue is that you're solving. Um, it's nice to be.
2: It, exactly. I think it's supposed to be um, like you say a team and I think the old medical model, like part of the, uh, which, which I, I think is a uh, shifting. It's, it's good to see. I think it is shifting more, but the old medical model was very much like I'm the expert. You're the patient. Um, I know everything, you know, nothing. And now people, um, knowledge is much more accessible than it ever was. And people are more involved in advocating for their own health and studies show us that outcomes are far better when patients are involved in their own health and, um, and able to advocate for themselves. So again, I think it's just like, you know, it's the lingering bit of an old medical model where it it used to be different. And hopefully now we're, we're moving, like, like you said, a lot of, um, doctors, therapists, you know, healthcare professionals are, um, are getting coaching training. So hopefully they're, you know, bringing that to their patient interactions.
1: Yeah. So, um, there was something else that I, that I thought would be, um, kind of valuable to hear from you about specifically for coaches, just coaches in general though, who are not working in anxiety specifically, um, is, you know, I've found that, no matter what the topic, you know, if you're talking about weight loss and, and, and health and making dietary changes, anxiety just comes in, you know, creeps in there very easily. I I can't tell you how many, you know, calls, group calls or, or, or individual calls that I've been on where we're not here to talk about anxiety necessarily. Right. And that comes up. Yeah. The example that I would, that I would almost kind of lead into that with is you talking about the cake. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you get overwhelmed and you go and you have the cake or the cookie or the whatever it is, um, you know, and that's a that's a food thing. Right. That relates to, you know, that example of the type of coaching, you know, most of what I do. uh, But that's coming from a place of anxiety. So so what I'm curious is, like, have you you know, what do you think are some some kind of valuable things that um, that other coaches that are not necessarily working, you know, specifically on anxiety should know about about that or about about, like supporting a
2: client that's experiencing those anxious feelings well I think it comes down to sort of like um one of the basic principles of coaching which is just when they're feeling anxious about whether it's like a food choice or sticking to their goals or whatever it might be it's that it's that um sort of kind mindful presence that we take with clients because so often we just sort of want to if we model that they're able to bring that to themselves so anxiety often is associated with things that we value we value our health most people value their health you know and if they're coming in and if they're if they're investing money and time into health coaching obviously it's going to be a top value for them is their health so some anxiety is obviously going to be natural because they care about it. We, we get anxious about the things we care about, you know, and, and that's, um, not, that's not abnormal. It more just speaks to what we care about and shows us we have values and things are important to us and, and such. So I think as a coach, one of the best things we can do is that like mindful, kind presence when someone, someone is struggling with anxiety or a setback or whatever, it's just saying, I hear you, you know, you're, you're sounding like you're struggling right now. And I've been there and just really being present with them because then the client's able to bring that to themselves because so much of what makes us eat that another piece of cake or cookie or whatever is the shame. We're like, well, I already messed up. I might as well just go, I might as well just go wild now. Let's just see. Because we eat the whole thing,
1: so there's none for tomorrow.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to start fresh tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. I'm going to start new tomorrow, so I might as well just get this out of the house. And I think um, just sort of uh, bringing that skill to the coaching session just allows clients to bring that to themselves because so much of what, Uh, the issue with anxiety is, is like we resist it, we fight it, we shame ourselves. There's like a lot of secondary stuff we pile on top of it, right? Like the shame and judging ourselves and um, trying to think our way out of our habit or whatever it might be. And that mindful presence allows us to sort of move through anxiety with a little bit more ease and just maybe a little bit more comfort so that we don't always reach for that cake or that cookie. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, so that, I mean, almost some of your response there almost makes me want to circle back around right to to the beginning I mentioned just all of the the stuff that you've had going on in your life um, personally and professionally the -hmm. last few years right and combining all of that while still being able to coach somebody and help someone um, what do you do I mean is there something is there a trick that you use or something that you do before, or after, or during a coaching session to be able to be mindful and present?
2: Honestly, like just, um, three minutes before, um, a coaching session, I'll often just take just 10 slow, deep breaths. That's not something I could always do. Like when I struggled with anxiety, deep breathing was my nemesis and it was very triggering, but now, um, now it's just something I've had a chance to like practice and cultivate. So it feels natural and it. And that's, one thing that helps me before a coaching session is like 10 deep mindful breaths because it slows down the nervous system. It helps me be more present. It helps me drop my agenda and um, my ego. It helps me leave my ego at the door. So I'm not like, okay, what do I say next? It allows me to be present without me being insecure or worried or um, not really hearing them. So that goes a long way for me.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love what you brought up that. Um, With that, the dropping the agenda and kind of leaving your ego at the door, Um, because, you you know, you mentioned earlier the idea that we want to be helping them, you know, and finding, you know, that the the areas that they need to work on or that they're being stuck. And if you come in with an agenda right off the bat,
2: there's going to be resistance, right? Like, there's going to be resistance right off the bat. And the magic well, I don't know.
1: I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times like you know you come into something and it's like you think that the answer or the problem is going to be one thing, and, and
2: and they discover it's something completely different for
1: them. Totally different. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that's interesting. That that's one of the kind of one of the things that you specifically notice happening as you. I do. As you practice yeah. some mindfulness, very cool. Um, and you and so you said basically just kind of ten slow deep breaths, and that you find that to be enough. Just kind of basically ground yourself and be.
2: Exactly, just helps me show up in the way I want to show up. Sort of like that, um, just that uh, I call it like sort of like a like a young mind, you know, like it's like my um, just like this or a, or a new mind or whatever. It just it helps me show up in that way. And one of the other things it helps with is it helps me set an intention, like okay, remember. There's a time and place for teaching and education. We talked about that. And my personal weakness as a coach is leaning a little heavily on that. And so um, it helps remind me and it helps me set that intention. Like, I'm here to show up for them. They know what's best for them. And that's, again, is what helps me check my ego out the door and just um, help it be like the, the most effective coaching session it can be.
1: So, when, you know, when when you're working with someone, and because you just mentioned that they know you know, potentially what's best for them. Does that mean you kind of just let them do any old thing, uh, you know, that they come up with or are there, you know what I mean? Like, cause to some degree there are things that people like, you know, maybe they don't know the absolute final answer, but there are things that you can kind of try along the way. Um, exactly. Yeah. So how, you know, how much freedom or how much leeway do you give there? I mean, do you let them just kind of try a few things and guide them through that or, or versus, you know, you just say here, let's try this.
2: Um, I, so a big part of like the coaching session is like the brainstorming generative moments that, you know, you might hear about in like coaching training. So it's, it's one nailing down those values, you know, like, and it's sort of, honestly, I find that people make their really, they make their own great choices when they realize like what their underlining value is or what their barriers are. and, suddenly it feels a lot more doable for them they might realize okay um they're like I'm really struggling with anxiety and I'm like oh I hear you on that but you know what what's your biggest value here you know what are you wanting to take away and working together like well I just want to be healthy and then we kind of talk about okay what's really working for you and is there anything that's not working for you and they're like well maybe that's second or third glass of wine. And so I'll say, you know, is that something you're thinking of changing? And I'm like, you know, uh, yeah, a little bit. I'm like, okay, how does it sound to pay attention to how you feel, you know, the next morning or the night after having that extra glass of wine or they'll, and then they'll be like, yeah. And also this, and it's like a very, it's like that dance, you know, that, that we talk about. And so I find people with like just a little bit of like a guided sort of conversation and open-ended questions are really good at discovering, um, what, what actually really works for them.
1: Yeah. I, I, Cause I'm, you know, the way I'm hearing that is it sounds like you kind of come in with a little bit of validation of, you know, what they're going through and, mm-hmm. and, um, but, but then from there get into finding out what their values are. And so, you know, th- that could be values motivations, um, you know, what's important to them. Why are they doing this? And, yeah. and again, that's something they can apply, regardless of what you're coaching about and and then help them to see okay where are these little areas and i, I agree the same thing, just like you said you know you ask somebody what's uh what's something that's maybe holding you back or, or slowing you down toward these goals and if it, yeah. it's the glass of wine i mean there's a, there's it seems like there's always an answer, not always there's often an answer yeah that that comes right up
2: yep there and and people are often surprised by their sort of awareness or their answer. And it and it just sort of, like, confirms for me, like, people, you know, we get sort of bogged down in daily life and stressors and things like that. But it really does confirm, confirm for me, like, people people know what is, like, best for them. And it's yeah. going to be different, you know, person to person.
1: Yeah. Well, and you talk about getting bogged down in daily life. I mean, that's one of the things that was so beautiful about, you know, as you pretended to be both the coach and the client there. <laughs> the example yeah. you led us through there. Was that you know the person comes in and they say, "Hey, this is what's going on, And you sort of validate their feelings and what they're oh, going yeah. through, that the anxious situation, um, and then and then step right on uh, you know sort of sort of past that immediate like this is the daily life, what I'm bogged down in today, into okay, what are we working toward?
2: Exactly. It's It's like this gentle, you don't want to do it too soon or too late. You know, it's like this gentle sort of shifting. Um, It's, yeah, this gentle sort of shifting towards where do we want to go, you know, with all this going on? And, you know, yes, you are feeling anxious or yes, this is here. But also, you know, where are you wanting, where are you wanting to go? What are you wanting to work toward? What's important to you?
1: do you have kind of a vision in your mind of when you want to do that in the coaching session or like, you know, like, Oh, okay. By three minutes in or by, you know, seven minutes in, I want
2: to, <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, I'm supposed to, but no, I don't do, you know, for me, yeah. a lot of it's, um, a lot of it is just taking those like coaching, you know, those basic coaching principles. And, um, I mean, you'll hear from, like, it's a big thing in well coaches too. Like a lot of it is on feel, you know, there's some yeah intuition there and, um, you know, usually you get a feel for, Okay. We've spent a we've spent a while sort of um looking at the problem, right? Like you can kind of feel when you've been there too long and then you can move and shift towards sort of uh focusing on the value or what's important to them delicately. Often for at least for sort of my clientele like it's um ever so delicately because it is it yeah. is validation is an important part too. I wouldn't right. want to cut that right. short either. <laughs>
1: So now then once you've established those values, then you've got to um, kind of start working toward determining some action uh, kind of steps there. Is there a transition?
2: Yeah. So once the values are established, um, honestly, the actions are easy. Like it's sort of like the map has been laid down and people are like, oh, yeah. sometimes people are, you know, they know what's important to them, maybe just not quite on the surface. So when that's made available to them, you know when we see that together, I find that like the actions are just they sort of naturally you know it's sort of brainstorming actions or way to attain these values and barriers and things like that. Um, it's pretty easy to transition to because the yeah the map's already been laid down yeah,
1: yeah. and then so the, so then, how do you work on those with you know the action I mean obviously you've got to have some time outside of the coaching session that they're working on yeah. those
2: usually like two weeks, usually like for two weeks. And I know for me, I'll have a little bit of like limited email contact. Um, everybody's different, but if someone has a question about what they're working on, you know, like, um, or they want some clarification, like I'll, I'll be accessible or whatever. Or they need a reminder what we talked about since I jotted down. You know? <laughs> they're like, ah, I lost my notes or, um, I didn't have my phone, but, um, yeah, typically like at the end of the session, they'll take, we'll kind of Well, I say we, they'll, they'll define what is really important to them and what they feel like they can spare sort of time and energy to work on that, that week. And again, that's why I think it has to be up to them because we all have so little time and and energy, especially with each passing year. And it's like, it needs to be, you know, and more kids come, um, even less so, um, even less sleep and less energy. So for people, it's just, you know, it has to be sort of what will be worth spending that time on them, just like anybody that exercises long term, it's something they enjoy, you know, it needs to be something they enjoy and and like. And um, so whatever they sort of determine what they want to work on, like the specific actionable steps they want to take towards their values, they tend to play around with that for two weeks. And again, they're often um, surprised when they come back, like, for me and sort of my specific population, it's really easy to sort of look at anxiety and stay bogged down and focus on the problem. And I think that's anything, like any challenge Mm -hmm. that comes up, it's easy to get, you know, a little bit short-sighted and just keep staring at the problem. I know that was a big like barrier for me. Um, And I think clients are just, they're surprised like, okay, I can sort of shift my gaze from staring at the problem to where I want to go. And it actually works. You know, there's often a lot of like, delightful surprise I'd say like I didn't stare at my anxiety all week and think about it all week I just when it came up I just sort of checked in with my values and how I want to move toward them and um yeah that's that's sort of how it goes at least in my sessions yeah yeah
1: well that's what we're here to talk about your sessions
2: (laughs) and they see it for themselves you know like they just see for themselves how how it sort of works to move toward values and then you know, there's even less resistance, less and less and less resistance moving forward because they just see for themselves. And
1: yeah, as as they see some some successes.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned kind of the you know the way time and and energy uh, becomes limited and runs out as as things get busier. I, you know, I, I want to be uh, honoring your time.
2: Um, I know. I just really I- appreciate you
1: taking the time to sit down and talk with us.
2: Um, Thanks for having me
1: today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we, we you know with the technical difficulties thrown in there and all, we've probably had you for about an hour. So, <laughs> do you want to take up your whole day away from those mm-hmm. twins?
2: Oh, <laughs> um,
1: I, <know>. uh-huh. <laughs> I love my twins. It's nice.
2: <laughs> I mean, I they're they're actually really fun. They're two and a half. Um, so yeah. they're just they're really fun right now and playing outside a lot. And it's finally spring in the Great North here. So, um, they they really are a lot of fun. But it is nice to um. And I probably a lot of parents, you know, moms, dads can relate to this. It's, it's still nice to take time to move toward my values. You know, I became a mom, but I still have my own values and um, things that are important to me. So it's nice to have time to do that too.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a great, (laughs) kind of a great note to end on for our our coaches out there to make sure to take some time for your own uh, development and your own values. and, um, And not just those of the people you're caring for, whether it's your, uh, children, your clients, your patients. Your
2: <laughs> exactly. Probably most coaches that are tuning in are um, in the helping field and it's, it can be easy to sort of lose sight of our values and our needs. For sure.
1: Well, um, so just to share really quickly in case anybody is interested in more of kind of the anxiety side of, of things and what you're up to, um, where can they find you?
2: Um, they can find me at not notanotheranxietyshow.com. Not another I always have to say that so slow. Um, notanotheranxietyshow.com. So there, um, I have a classroom with resources. You can find my podcast there or all, all sorts of fun things.
1: Yeah, great, great. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking with us and uh, yeah. have a great, have a great day. You too. Thanks, everyone.
0: I hope you found that helpful. So if you'd like to become a health coach, or maybe you already are a health coach and you'd like some additional training and more skills, or perhaps you're a health professional, a doctor, nurse, dietitian, etc., who would like to be able to influence your patients more effectively, again, check it out, wellstartcoach.com. All right, have a great day.